Well, as we look in Second uh, Corinthians and we pick up from uh, where we were at last week as we learned about comfort, and uh, we just barely touched on this uh, just before we left. I think we, we were on it for about a minute or two. But it's about to, the reason that we are comforted, for one thing, God has a lot of reasons to do that, we ourselves, but then we also are to give that comfort then to others. We don't hang on to it. We can't say, ah, I'm going to keep this to myself. No, we are stewards of this comfort that He gives so that then we pass it on. Comfort is to be passed on. He sees comfort not as an end in itself. It doesn't stop there. What it is, it's a means to an end. God has something much, much more in mind. Comfort, it it comes down to trust. Paul here sees comfort as a trust, as a stewardship. It's a trust that's been given to us. We're to use it wisely. And it's not intended to end with Him, but to be passed on. So he's saying, hey, if I suffered, God gave that suffering so that I also would be comforted by Him even much more than my sufferings were, so that whenever you need the comforting, then I can give it to you. You'll have this. So it's to be passed on. The purpose of comfort then is to make us comforters. God is the God of comfort. We get it from Him. And He says, now I want you to pass that on too. So that's what we are to do. Um, When we are in distress, we have this comfort. Later on, we know we can use that comfort at that time. But there will be a time when you can share that with others. Paul knew that those who receive the most trouble will experience the most comfort. It's, it's that to that to that degree there. And those who experience the most comfort are thereby able to comfort others the most. So Paul God Paul saw God just passing it on to us. And if you look in Luke twenty two, you have this passage that you're probably very familiar with, it's dealing with Peter. Christ has uh, he's predicting that he of course is going to have to die and such and he's telling them all the things that's going to go on you have Simon who we know that's Peter but this time Jesus doesn't call him rock little rock Peter Petra right Petros I guess is really what the word is there Petros Petros is a bigger massive rock Petros is a little rock he's a, he's a little rock call him Rocky if you like but Jesus doesn't call him Rocky when there are times to address him in his sin and he says Simon Simon behold Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat going to do work on you but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Your faith is going to remain. And you, when once you have turned again, it means he, he failed in his confession, his profession later on, but he still had that profession of faith. He says, once you have turned again, strengthen, what's that word, comfort? Strengthen, strengthen your brothers. There's what you do. Once you have been strengthened after you did your sin and you denied me, I'm going to strengthen you. And then you go take it to others. Wow, pretty extreme example there, isn't it? That's true strength. That's experience of the fullness of God's supernatural transcendent comfort that He gives. That's true strength. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So that I rejoiced even more. (laughs) Always a balance there to Scripture, isn't it? He comforts the depressed. God does the comforting and then Titus was there and he comforted them and then he was comforted by them that the way they received him (laughs) gotta like that in Acts chapter 9 verse 31 dealing with the comfort of God Acts 
Acts 9.31. You remember Acts 9 is dealing with the conversion of Saul, Paul. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up, going on in fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. The church increased. It grew. You notice, peace comes from God. And there you have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll leave you the comforter. I will leave you the paraclete. Paracleto. Comfort. Strengthen. By the Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort, eternal comfort, it will never go away, folks, <laughs> and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and, we, and, deed, and word. Comfort and strengthen your hearts. Comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father, Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Sermon on the Mount. Boy, will this sound familiar and say, What? What is it? I know it. I know it, what it is. What is it, though? <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be. Yes. Comfort from God. We pass it on. The extension. Of, government, uh, of, of being comforted is seen in our verse 5. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, sufferings from Christ are in abundance. I agree. <laughs> but so is the comfort, because he then goes to, to say, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. It's abundant, it's more than enough. So that the comfort is at least equal to the suffering by the way it passes it through. What suffering? Paul, Paul, did you did you really was there a certain sin that he did? No. It was just for testifying the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why he had all this tribulation. Look in First Peter chapter four, verse twelve through sixteen. First Peter four, twelve through sixteen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, fiery ordeal, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. You know, the test really doesn't surprise God. It's not to, to prove to us that we're, we're okay. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, He goes, oh, okay. So that's where you're good at and there's the things you're failing at. He already knows that, right? What do you think the testing is for? Us. So that we would see where we come up short. And see the things where we do pass the test. And that's really what this dokimos is it's to show what is real and what is true. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, you share the sufferings of Christ. You ever thought of that? We don't hear that much, do we? Keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. So there it is. That is where it's all going to, isn't it? But he says, in the meantime, don't be surprised by what you're having to go through, by your persecution, as Peter writes here. But you're sharing the sufferings of Christ. How can that be? I thought all the work was done at the cross. Well, it was as far as salvation. But all the other stuff is the body of Christ is here on earth today. It's the church. And shall we share, we get the privilege of sharing the sufferings of Christ so that we are being molded into the image of who He is. This is good news. Whether we try to deny these things or not, we know that there's some pretty fiery ordeals. 
God's going to bless you. doesn't matter what happens to you. As you're dealing for the name of Christ, God will bless you. The Spirit of God will rest upon you. You'll be strengthened in your inner man by the Spirit of God. You know what? We're privileged to share in the sufferings of Christ. Say, Dennis, how can you say that? Shame on you. Well, because God says it. Uh, Paul is saying, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That's what he's saying to the Corinthians. He said, I'll take the pain if it can bring people to Christ. I'll take the pain if it can change Christians' lives. That's what Paul's saying. I'll take it. And then he said to the Romans, the sufferings of this world aren't worthy to be compared with the glory which will be some day ours in Christ. In 2 Corinthians, right? Turn to chapter 4. 8 through 12. This is the good. Did you see all things work together for good? This is the good, isn't it? For it, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our own body. Have you looked at this verse before? Have you ever seen this? I bet, you know, a lot of times you just skip over it like I do. I go, boom. How did I ever miss that one? Isn't that interesting? The dying of Jesus is in us. He's being manifested in our own lives. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. While we're here in this mortal flesh, He is being manifested in us. That's remarkable. So death works in us, but life in you. (laughs) Incredible. We're not done with that thought. Look in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. Next book over. End of the book of Galatians. Here's what Paul says about himself. From now on, let no one cause... That's the wrong verse. Yeah, it is. Okay. Let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. No matter what they do, no matter how much they put me in prison and do all their stuff, it can it can seem like distress and trouble and says and he goes beyond that, he says, I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. You know, he was you know, tortured. You know, he he was whipped with the like thirty nine lashes like Christ was, those were kind of reminders that stayed with him the rest of his life here on earth. He had the marks, the marks of Jesus, all the suffering that he did physically. It says right there, it says there it is. Colossians one twenty four. we suffer with Christ. Quite the privilege. Colossians 1.24 Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of His body. What is it? He says at this time. Which is the church. I'm doing it on behalf of the body. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing it's behalf of the church. In filling up this is a remarkable verse. In filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He said, wait a minute. The work was done at the cross. It's finished. It's done. Yes. Salvation. But the rest of the body of Christ, which is the church, has to fulfill that on out. That is ordained for us. Everybody has their different ways of suffering. Sometimes you you can apply it to things in your life that you're battling with just dealing with starts with persecution and such with the gospel but just uh, physical battles with you family uh, battles whether it be 
husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, father, whatever those relations are, you know, those are struggles, aren't they? And we want to see what's right. We want God's will in those relationships, don't we? Money. I mean, look at every aspect of your lives, and it's part of this. It's not just a persecution thing. So well. We haven't been persecuted yet, so this doesn't apply to us. Every one of us suffers in some way. We do. You know, It's just part of this life. It's part of this where He's shaping us to trust in Him. Regardless of whatever He sent us, it's about trusting Him and putting on display His glory. Romans 8.17 got one more. This is all about the, the sharing of the suffering of Christ. Did you know there are that many verses about this? It's remarkable. How come you don't hear this on TV today? I like 17. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, that's good enough for me right there. And then the verse keeps going. If indeed we suffer with Him, that's going to prove you're a Christian. Suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. It is by the will of God that we suffer so that we can be glorified eventually. I sound crazy. I'm just reading the verses. It's there. And it's not just in one verse. It's not just, Dennis, you pick Second Corinthians so we could talk about this. Not really. God wanted to talk about it. In our, in our Lord's case, the sufferings of Christ had a tremendous appeal for Him because He said the joy that was set before Him Remember in Hebrews chapter 12, after the Hebrews 11, the hall of faith? And then it talks about Christ. And it was a joy for Him to go to the cross, to die for each one of us, so that we could be with Him forever. It was a joy. He endured the cross. He knew what the future held. His humanness said, Wait, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? His humanist says, do I have to go through this? We know what the future holds for us. We don't know what's going to be going on tomorrow, next week, or whatever. I mean, besides doing what we normally do on that day of the week, but there's eternal blessings waiting for us. We can endure the sufferings here at the present time because the suffering has a magnificent, glorious end to it all. And this is a momentary light affliction. It's magnificent and we can count on it. And that's trusting in God. By the way, we are partners. We're partners. The church is a partner. Each one of us is a partner to each other. We are linked together because we share in a lot of things and one of them is suffering. We share in it. What does he say here? In verse 6 and 7. But if we are afflicted, Paul says, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded knowing that as you are sharers, partners of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. We share together. Like it or not, (laughs) we share those things that you're dealing with. We should be. We share some of those uncomfortable things that are happening in your lives. We, We share that. We pray for each other on that. And he'll get to that in the very last verse. When Paul says here in verse 6, is that his experience leads to comfort. In fact, if you looked at it really careful here, it's like whether we be afflicted, it's for your good. And whether we be comforted, it's for your good. It cannot be a losing matter. It's a win-win situation. Incredible. So it all works for the good of the Corinthians. Salvation is the end of the ministry, the goal of it all. And if they're saved, then He wants them to be sanctified wants them to be built up. He's going to the Gentiles for the most part. So 
so that they would come to faith in Christ. And many of them did in Corinth. And then He wants them to be brought to maturity. They share in all of this. And God uses everything to bring us to maturity. These are the things that He does. You know what He wants to do? Paul wants to bring them to Christ in maturity. We want to bring ourselves to Christ to be matured. And each one of us work for each other. It's incredible. If any one of us who represent Christ are afflicted, it's so that in being afflicted that we would comfort another person here. And other people you know. So we can bring them to maturity. Suffering for righteousness sake. Right? God is allowing me to be comforted. God allows me to suffer. I can come to you and comfort you and when you go through the same suffering, I've already been through, you're comforted. And then at the same time, it works the other way. It's a partnership. We are partners. A, the best partnership in all the world. There are all sorts of partnerships in business and other endeavors. It can be rather well, rather good. But this partnership we have here, there's nothing like it in all the world. You can't even explain what it means to know that you have a working relationship with other people because you have the same thing in common. That being our Lord. You never look at your own suffering independent of the body of Christ because they want to be a part of it too. They want to, they want to help out. There were some in the Corinthian church that were suffering already and that's what Paul was saying in, in that section there. Um, they're enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. We're suffering and the people in Corinth, I, I know that you guys are suffering too. And we're, it's okay. We're in this together. We can mutually share in each other's afflictions and comforting. Have you ever known what, it, what it's like when you are thinking you're by yourself in your own thing? I'm all alone in this. There's nobody else. What do we do with that? We ourselves probably do that sometimes. I have to confess, you know what? That's not true. Because Elijah, yeah, said, Lord, am I the only one? What did the Lord say? I've got 7,000 other ones. <laughs> so, isn't it good to know but sometimes we have to let people know what we're dealing with. Oh, you don't know my sufferings. Well, the thing is, don't take it independently. Let's all kind of help each other out. There's multiplications of suffering sometimes. And Paul's life multiplies in all these different things. And he has divine comfort that multiplied. And he said, it's for you. Whatever I did, it was for you. Whatever I have to give you, it's for you. Because He wants to make them courageous. He wants to make them bold. He wants to make them just confident in the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Acts 14.22 Here's a strengthening that's happening in this chapter 14. And this is what the apostles would do. They'd try to go back to the places where they had built churches. Go back and do what? Strengthen them. That's the word we've been talking about. Here's what he says in uh, verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He's telling the fact, biblical truth. He first says that he's in, he was strengthening them, encouraging them, continue in the faith. 
Because here is what's going to happen while you are in the flesh, while you're in the body. Good to know. That was in the early days of the church. Let's go to the second one. The God who raises the dead. And this is His power. We've looked at His purpose. Did His purpose make sense now? When we're talking about uh, tribulation and then the strengthening. He has a purpose ultimately. Of course, that brings His glory. Now, we see His power here. The God who raises the dead. This is a life-threatening situation for Paul. I mean, it is very threatening to him. To the point of death. We're at verse 8. This is the place where we were supposed to start at today. <laughs> so therefore, I'm going to take a break for a moment. And dry. Very dry. To the point of, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> okay, I'm thirsty. Still thirsty. <laughs> really dry but you know what somebody can be dried to the point where they are at the point of death I was watching this um, thing on TV last night it was a two hour deal it was a real story that happened to this one lady who was a a runner and she did extreme running she would actually it, it was where they had the running and, and the bicycling and it would go any way from uh, where from a whole day to a weekend to a week or two weeks um, she was very accomplished at what she did uh, this is a world class uh, she's a pro at this and so she was going to work out one day took her dog with with her and I'll have to keep this uh, quicker than the two hours, but I will tell you, as she was going along, she, she ran across, uh, it was just, and this is during a, a little bit warmer time period, but yet it's cold. It was, you were talking still, and it was in Colorado. We're talking, you know, a mountainous area, a rocky area. And as she's going along, she slips on a little piece of ice that she didn't see. She was running on rocks, but there was, you know, maybe a little shade there or something. She slipped and she fell. She fell a pretty good distance. I don't know how many feet that was. But, it, yeah, it was a long way. She wound up breaking her pelvis and basically separated her legs from her body and that she, whenever she woke, woke up from that, she tried to crawl. She crawled a little bit. I think uh, she... Till the till it got dark, she finally got to the part where there was a little bit of water in this rock, and she survived that night. There was another night, and then um, just I, I got to shorten the story. But it's amazing how God works. They never used the name God, and throughout all this, nothing whatsoever. And maybe none of them even knew God. She never really uh, said any praise to God that I know of. But I do know. That was what was interesting. She was at the point of death because nobody probably should have survived through that night because it got below freezing. And you know what happens when one has had an injury and then you get into freezing. And she survived the night. The next day, she tried to crawl the next day and she couldn't. And of course, she didn't know what was happening, but there was blood pockets right right here. And so she just basically laid there. A dog stayed around. She was as good as dead. So she went through another night. No way that she could have made this. She's at the point of death. Talking about the... This must have been kind of a situation where Paul was at, where now there's no hope. And she had hope, and that's what kept her going. Nobody knew where she was at. Well, the rest of the story is they started to look for her, and it's amazing how something comes to mind to somebody, and they go to a certain area where she's at, and they see her um, her vehicle. They know that's hers. They get a search party going, but this is too big of an area. It's called Moab. <laughs> Moab. And that's not Moab over there. We're talking about in Colorado, I think. The next thing you know, the, she told the dog to go for help. Dog, it's like 
Me? Yeah. And he played laughing. He did. He went right to the area where all the, the people were at, came there, went on past them, turned around and then went, and they started following. One guy did and another. And, you know, he was taking out. Then he had stopped. And then they would catch up with him, but then he would take off again. And then he started seeing, they started seeing the footprints of somebody's steps and a dog footprints. And that's when the dog took off. He followed the set and there, not too far, was, of course, the dog over the, the little hill there. There she was. Now, that thing dragged on and on and on. <laughs> you couldn't wait to see, to see the ending of it. But the, there was no way she should have lived, really, physically. God kept her going. This is something where... Paul is at, and he said, I don't want you to be unaware, brother. I want you to know about the afflictions that I had which came to us in Asia. You can say, Dennis, let's turn to that and see what kind of affliction that was. We don't know. We don't know. The Corinthians probably did, but we don't. And it could be a number of things, and I'm not even going to speculate. Some say beast, and some say the physical illnesses that he had, and and, uh, all the people that were... Uh, chasing him and persecution and you know he was in danger of being lynched and there could be a lot of causes but he said he was delivered whatever it was there was no way that he would be able to get out of this it's the point of death he says we despaired even of life we despaired of it it was unbearable it despaired what he says when he says we were burdened excessively beyond our strength look at this in that verse 8, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. We despaired even of life. That means we... He came to a, a metaphor here, and it means to break down under the pressure of a heavy load. It's like an overloaded ship. That word is used for that also. And it's in danger of sinking. It's going to go any moment now. That's what he's saying. He was all the way up to the point of death. Anybody ever knew death before they died and still lived through it? There's Paul. There are a lot of stories about people like that. Though. The apostle was thinking here about the trials of life, the, the pressure, the extreme pressure that's on him. Philipsis, where it's crushed down, not able to stand it. And that's where marital difficulties, business problems... Problems with relations, families and friends, children, parents, all these things. Be something like what Paul is speaking. We can identify with that. It may not be at the physical death. But it seems like there's really no hope you know, in, in the lives that we're living. Pressed down upon us. We can feel like that. Paul knew it was the strength of the Lord. When you get to that point, when you get to, and some of us might have been there, I mean, to a physical thing where we were close to jumping over the precipice. You know, we, we, we've been there to that point. We can, we can understand. Beyond our strength. Despaired of life. You get the word passage there. Despaired of life. No passage. No exit. No passage out of here. No exit. We despaired. What does it mean? We found no way out. Literally the total absence of an exit. Not there. There was no escape hatch. <laughs> the sentence of death is what he says in 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. What's the idea of sentence of death? He was so assured it was over. He had the sentence of death. He gave the, uh, the sentence of death himself. It would have been used, uh, let's use an example of an emperor. He has a government. It's an imperial government. And he would give out a decree or a sentence this is a sentence that Paul has of death. Uh, a sentence is a, it's a decision. It's an imperial kind of decision. It's coming from the king. That's the word that he uses there. And Paul says, "I gave this sentence. This is, this is what my judgment here." He, 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 you know, he's expressing how he felt. The sentence was of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves. That's what he says right here in 9. Indeed, we had a sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. 
He knew there wasn't the least little glimmer of light. It had to be all God. As I watched that TV show last night, I'm saying, where's God in this? Nobody's saying a thing. I didn't hear one word about what God did in that. Now, we would have done that, wouldn't we? I was in total despair. But God came and delivered me out of an impossible situation. That's how God gets the glory. In this one, actually, the dog got the glory. I thought it was amazing that the dog played a great part. Had it not been what the dog did, they wouldn't have found her in time. God used the dog, but who gets the glory? Not the dog. Amazing things what dogs can do. Don't take away, you know, what God does with dogs, but uh, it's all about God. But in God who raises the dead, I couldn't trust in anything. There was no no resources. But God, I put my trust in Him because He raises the dead. He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He raises us from the dead. Ephesians 2 says we're dead spiritually. He raised us out of where there was no hope for us. Right out of the darkness, out of death, right? And then at the same time, out of the different things that we go through, He delivers us out of that, doesn't He? And then ultimately, like, so he says, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, what the situation that Paul was in, whatever that was, and will deliver us. He's, he delivered us. He will deliver us. He's talking about in this lifetime. In things that we go through, He will deliver us through those things. He on whom will have set our hope. We set our hope on it. And then he continues. And He will yet deliver us. That's at the fullest sense you can say yeah but he can deliver me now but I'm still going to have to die that's right and so therefore as far as your body's concerned there's only so many deliverances you're going to have because it eventually has to die doesn't it thank God because we have to go into a glorified body otherwise we cannot enter the grand splendor the beauty of God's kingdom we have to have this glorious body to get in there. But until then, He keeps delivering us and will continue to deliver us until it's our time to be delivered into the kingdom. So, Paul says he can't lose. Look, He delivered us, He, he will deliver us, and He will deliver us ultimately. Oh, the extreme agony. The pain. It's beyond the limit. We have no power. And Paul uses the ultimate power, the resurrection of the dead. I can't think of a better example, can you? The resurrection of the dead. The God who raised Christ from the dead. The mighty power, incidentally, who brought us out of our death spiritually. Think of Abraham, his son Isaac, for instance. He believed God that He would resurrect him because he, God told him to sacrifice him. Of course, God delivered in that situation, didn't He? Now, I think it's, that's interesting. Uh, Abraham knew and trusted in God because God had delivered him time after time. F.B. Meyer used to say, and speaking of trials, trials are God's vote of confidence in us. You ever heard of that one? F.B. Meyer, I think, uh, preceded uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in his ministry. Trials are God's vote of confidence in us. He sends affliction to us because He wishes to cause us to grow. And He stands by the side of us as the comforter, the advocate, and sees that we do. That's what F.B. Meyer said. So he delivers us. Delivers us. When the hope is gone. Think of the children of Israel. Egypt brought them through that, didn't he? Stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. He didn't have any hope. You have the whole Egyptian army just over there. You can see them. You can hear them. And there they come. You have no hope. Stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. Wow! Was God's glory seen there? That's what He has done 
what he continues to do. He delivers his saints, folks. How many times has he delivered you? And the third one is the God who is glorified. This is the prayers of the saints. Helping through prayers. Verse 11. You also joining in helping us through your prayers. Joining, that's the word soon. We get synagogue, that's together. Together with. Soon, pergeo, and it's help together. There's with and under work are the three English words that would be involved in that. To be with under work. This is the human side. Joining and helping together in working prayers. It's hard to pray. It's hard to pray for others sometimes. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit who is your comforter who comes in and intercedes for us when our prayers aren't that great anyway. (laughs) And we know it. I can't even think of the words to say here, Lord. And the Holy Spirit just comes in there and takes charge. There's a mystery about prayer. Philip Hughes puts it beautifully. He says, Human impotence casts itself at the feet of divine omnipotence. Like that? We are impotent. We are weak. And we cast ourselves at the feet of the divine omnipotence, the all-powerful. You like that? That's what he's saying here in this text. Prayer doesn't change the will of God. What does it change? It changes us as soon as we enter into fellowship. Prayer is a means. It's a divinely determined means which God accomplishes His purpose. Do you want to get in on it? It's about His purpose. And we're called upon to pray just like Abraham. He didn't reason out what was going to happen. When we pray, we enter into fellowship with the Lord God. He allows us to be a part of His saving program. There's a whole group of people who are lifting their hearts and their eyes to the Lord. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're praying for you. They're praying for you. Say, I, don't, I don't hear it. Sometimes though you might say, well, I felt it. Thank you. You ever had that tell anybody to tell you that? Thank you for your prayers. I, I sure felt it. It's good. That's what we're to do. Uh, assistance of prayers. That's what saints do. It's a visible form. You know, when saints come together to pray, all the saints looking to the Lord, praying together. The idea is together there, and it's about thanks, so that thanks may be given by many persons, by many faces, even on our behalf for the favor. Like grace bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Many prayers bring many thanks. What a change it can make. What a change it makes in Grace Community Church. And I wanted to see more changes even being made more and more as God works in us, as we pray together, as we pray separately. We're still praying together, aren't we? We might be separated in location but we're still part of that family and the rest of the body of Christ the assembly for that matter a sea of faces looking to God for the blessings praying what His will is that's what He wants to finish with this when peace like a river attends my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. Now we're going to take communion together to symbolize our fellowship that we have with each other because it's based upon the fellowship that we actually have with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
say if you guys want to come up and get the communion while we're singing, and you want to uh, just hold it, hold on to it until we get to get to it too. After we're done with the song, that'd be great. Whenever you're ready.
Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come to your throne. Thank you that we can come together. We know our prayers are cast before you. Desire to do your will. We look to you in everything because it's all found in the person of Christ as these elements remind us so much. Everything is in Him. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Christ alone. That's the reason we live. We don't see Christ here, but we see the body of Christ as it works amazing ways as you fill the body of Christ with your spirit. And Lord, we want to be obedient in worshiping you and just being a part of worship, word of God, prayer, all the other things are so important because they express as best as we can what you have done for us we are told to remember. Remember what Christ has done. Remember what you have done. So in your Son's name, Amen. Amen. Blessed art thou, O Lord, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. Christ has set us free. Amen. I don't know what my voice is going to do next. I have a free voice. It just does whatever it wants. You guys enjoy the time. We give thanks to the Lord about His uh, putting us in place where we are in this country and where we've had so many freedoms. And uh, keep giving Him thanks for that, that we can actually be here today and to be praying for our country at this time. Amen. Amen. Um, also, real quick, sorry, not everybody has to do. But uh, you can't do that. Um, can you make it to Wednesday this Wednesday? Okay, Bob, are you going to be there this Wednesday? Okay, so yeah, basically uh, we have we have Bob and uh, Nandor here, so we're going to go ahead this Wednesday. Going to come to prayer. Um, so if anybody is available, if not, that's fine. So as long as we have somebody who's willing to open the doors up on Wednesday, we're going to go ahead and go for it. Um, all right, six thirty. Yeah, and the more people show up, the longer the prayers will go. And so. You know, it's been going really well. Um, really, we really enjoy the prayer. Uh, I can speak for myself, but uh, really, after the prayer is over, we spend some time fellowship, and it it's really built a lot of bonds between me and Nando and Miklos. So, um, and Dennis, and, and Carmela when she came. <laughs> so, so I hope to see some of you guys there on Wednesday. If not, that's fine. It's
Really? So it was the first time he did it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
more. Okay. Okay.
Yeah. Yeah. Most, most people want to hear the cow at that point. Yeah. So I look at the list, oh, uh, yes, sir, I want to hear this working. Oh, that's creepy. I mentioned that to my manager, like, I know it's a locker room, I should probably expect it, you know, like, I don't think twice about it, especially the older ones really don't. So I'm like, he's got blind side, he goes, oh, is it so-and-so? I'm like, I don't know his name. Yeah, he goes, yeah. Because he's a military guy, so they all look at him for use to walk around.